1: Welcome to this, the Nerdist Podcast, number two seventy nine. I am nervously excited. My very first comedy special, Mandroid, airs Saturday, November tenth, at eleven p.m. ten Central on Comedy Central. Uh, It's an hour long of stand up, and uh, I don't think it sucks. I actually think it's pretty good. I I hope that's not foolish, but but I I hope you like it. So please watch it. Um, It would be uh, it would be huge if you did. And uh, then I'll be performing on the road after that. So go to Nerdist.com calendar and check that business out. Or if you're listening to this podcast ages after November 10th, Maybe it's available somewhere that you could then go watch it. Uh, I would like to thank, for this week's sponsor of the Stamps. Podcast, Stamps.com. Uh, no more wasting time with the post office. Well, then you might be like, well, what if I just got myself one of those uh, postage meters? You would be foolhardy, my friend. A word that doesn't get used enough. You have more features than you could possibly ever want at Stamps.com at a fraction of the price of a postal meter. Plus, you get uh, special discounts on mailing and shipping that you can't even get at the post office on things like Priority Mail and Express Mail. Stamps.com is the way to go, especially if you're going to run a small business out of your home. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com right now, use the promo code NERDIS to get a special offer of a no-risk trial, $110, plus uh, of bonus stuff like a digital scale, a free postage. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in NERDIS, you're going to get a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and up to $55 of free postage. That is Stamps.com. Post-haste! post Hey, that's like a post office. Well, words. Uh, this episode is Kevin Bacon, and he was fucking awesome. We went to, uh, when we were in New York for New York Comic Con in our live podcast, and we went to a studio where uh, he's shooting his new show. It's called The Following. Uh, it's a mid-season replacement on Fox. So it'll be on early next year. It's a super cool show. It's uh, kind of Silence of the Lambsy. So, Joan and I went to the studio where they shoot this and just sat in Kevin's trailer and had a conversation. With Kevin Bacon uh, Who was awesome And unfortunately Matt couldn't be there Because he took a red eye the night before And he got a little sick And uh, we had to make sure he was in good health For the podcast we were doing that night At the Best Buy Theater So uh, sorry no Matt Myra But I trade your Myra For a Kevin Bacon Huh? Huh? Nerds Podcast episode 279 With Kevin Bacon I think actually listening to this podcast uh, reduces your bacon number. So enjoy that.
0: Now entering nerdist.com.
2: Thank you for having us on your trailer. Yeah, thanks. I'm sorry, it's not a nicer trailer. No, this is a perfect.
1: No, <laughs> yeah, no, no. Apology accepted. <laughs> <laughs> no, for, for this is like the size of a New York apartment. So this is actually this actually feels all right to me. This, yeah.
2: Okay. Good.
1: It might actually be it might actually be bigger bigger than a New York apartment.
2: Well, it's bigger than my first apartment for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: When did you move out to When did you move out to New
2: York? I moved to New York in 1976. From Philadelphia, and uh, my first apartment—well, um, my first apartment was my sister's couch because <laughs> she had a, a place here on on Seventy Sixth and um, West End. And then um, I moved into a place called the Breton Hall, which I found—I uh, I had a hundred and fifty dollars. That was my—that's what I decided my budget was for for month uh, rent. And It was, you know, hard finding a place. <laughs> <laughs> the I mean,
1: yeah. you' mean, even in '76, I was thinking like, "Oh, in '76, you could live somewhere for ten dollars." Yeah, like
2: no, but I. But that was, it, it was, it was still hard. And um, I saw in the back of the Village Voice there was a uh, uh, ad that said, uh, "Actors, dancers, musicians." High rise artist residence. So I went to this place and it was basically a flop house. I mean, it really was. It was kind of a, you know, what we called an SRO, a single room occupancy. And um, they had a rental office. And I said, I have $150 to spend. And the guy said, Well, we do have rooms for $150, but they're called one bedrooms, which is basically (laughs) one room. Uh, and you you used a bathroom down the hall that the, the entire you know floor used. Yeah. And they said, but we don't have any available. But we do have, quote, unquote, two bedrooms available. And a two-bedroom um, was a kitchen and a bedroom. Okay. Um, they, actually, they did have a bathroom. And they were three and a quarter. So half of that, you know, I was going to jump past my limit a little bit, but I figured, okay, that'll be okay. But I said to the guy, I,
0: uh,
2: I don't have a roommate. I don't have anybody to live with. And he said, well, what about this guy? <laughs> 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 and there was this guy sitting next to me in the in the office. We were on this couch. I'll never forget. And he looked at me. And he said, what do you think? And I said, all right what do you think yeah and we like in that second moved in together we lived together for four years oh wow My God. God, I do not know anything about this dude I mean <laughs> I do not know his name I do not know anything. and he turned out to be a great guy um, his name was Mark Mitchell and he he uh, was a, uh, a, 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 a classical pianist and uh, we looked at the space and I said okay I'll sleep in the kitchen and he took the bedroom um, and he took the uh excuse me sure Ah, beautiful, thanks so much You're welcome And, and he took the um, He took the uh, He took a He brought, brought a grand piano into it Oh, Jesus Yeah, and, and it was It basically took up Most of the room um, I'm trying to think if His bed actually kind of sat You know, underneath the, the piano <laughs> Did you sleep under the piano? Well, I did sometimes <laughs> We had a bat problem A bat problem? Yeah and, um, on the night when the bat came in, I was, you know, I didn't want to sleep in my room because the bat was in my room. Crime, kind crime of, <laughs> a new enemy. Batman,
3: please. <laughs> 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 Would it just open up the window and, like, where did it come squeak, from? It was the craziest, squeak.
2: I mean, it was the craziest thing, man. We, we, one night, I just woke up, pop, 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 pop. And I turned on the light, and there's a fucking bat flying <laughs> around my room, and I went slamming into Mark's room, and I was like, I don't think I said dude, I don't think we said dude. I said, fellow,
3: sir. Ahoy there. Yeah.
2: There's a bat, and... It, it, it was such a comedy of <laughs>
0: that night
2: trying to, I
0: mean,
2: trying to get this bat out of the room was, I mean, the first thing I did was I called, you know, uh, pest control, like that. there was like a city, city number, poison control or something like that, because I was afraid of like what would get hit, you know, happen if you get bit by that. And they were like, "You have a what, sir? A bat?
1: I don't know." They were like, "No, we don't. We don't need you."
3: Yeah. <laughs> but it's a, a bat. bat. No, that's sir. That's too scary.
1: I like to think that you're running around trying to catch the bat, and then Mark sits down at the piano and starts going.
3: That would have been
1: great. That would have been great, actually. No, not a rat, a bat. Oh, guys, I forgot to tell you. Guy rented out. You got a third roommate. It's a bat, and he's gonna sleep with the piano.
2: We actually put on at one point we're locked we're we're in his room locked in his room we're trying to figure out ways to do it and at one point he said I'm going in there I'm going in with a broom (laughs) but he didn't want to have any kind it was the middle of summer but he didn't want to have any kind of exposed skin so he put on like a you know uh, what do you call those things like a uh, they got a name like a jumpsuit no where you with the eyes are cut out like a woolen mask oh yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. ski mask yeah yeah. a ski mask and a coat and giant rubber boots and he had a he had a, uh, a room <laughs> and I opened the door and slammed it behind him <laughs> and I hear it ah! and he's like swinging around couldn't get couldn't get rid of the bat <laughs> then we came up with the idea somehow I remembered from someplace that they are attracted to shiny objects if it's dark so the the apartment was like on on an air shaft so you had a win- you know windows that were sort of um, uh, i guess you know perpendicular to e- to each other, and one was in my room one was in his room um, so we took a tennis racket and attached a um, coat hanger to it to extend it out and took a ball of um <laughs> Of uh, what's funny?
0: This is ball. very elaborate. We took a ball of uh, uh,
2: uh, uh, tin foil, uh, you know, aluminum foil, and put it on the end of the coat hanger, and we were hanging out over the thing, like dangling this fucking thing out the window, like, "Hey, come on, come on,
0: you're gonna love this."
4: And of course, it
2: did absolutely. It had nothing. It was useless. I mean, I, you know. anyway, to make a long story short, the. We, um, uh, I just I slept that. that uh, the reason I thought of it is that I slept under the piano. Oh, <laughs> it's because of the
1: bat Yeah,
2: because I didn't want to sleep in bed with Mark, and, and I didn't want to sleep in my room because I was afraid of, you know, afraid, afraid of the bat so Yeah, afraid. Yeah, so the uh, I woke up the next day and he was he was
0: gone.
1: Oh, that's such yeah. a sad... Story. No note? He just left? He <laughs> wasn't there anymore? Your roommate left, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <I mean>, yes. <laughs> gone. And Can't that's one I the bats of yours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, first when you started telling the story about how you met this guy, I thought it was going to be like, and that guy turned out to be Tom Hanks, or whatever. Like, it sounds like <laughs> the two the two young
2: actors. Do you, uh, do you... No, he's a beautiful, beautiful piano player. Do you still uh, know? Uh, I've run into him a couple of times, but I've, we're not really um, in touch too much. Uh, he, he, um... Ended up working, I think he works at Lincoln Center maybe now, doing something like that. He's a he's companyist. Oh, and, wow. And nice. um, uh, it was kind of magical because, you know, as as you know, as horrible as the apartment was when it was really, really badly roach infested. I mean, just a horrible, horrible roach problem uh, that I could not seem to get rid of because there was a garbage dump that was kind of adjacent to my wall where I slept so I always figured that they would roaches would go over there for dinner and come over to <laughs> our place for dancing
3: afterwards a bit. <laughs> really, that's where all the bats are going we're probably going to hit Kevin's
2: again just, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, he, but his playing was just spectacular and he would have to practice and he would practice really hard on really really complicated um, classical pieces you know he, he wasn't like a boogie woogie player you know, he's like a real serious player and um yeah. were you playing music at the same time? I was playing a little bit, um, out and about, or just, just no, no. I wasn't of? playing out at all. No, yeah. uh, no. That didn't happen until quite a bit later. Mm. Um, uh, but I, you know, I, I was, you know, loved music, and I had been writing songs and stuff. Although we never really, you know, kind of worked
3: on music together. No late night jam sessions.
1: Nah, no. You should just for fun track him down. <laughs> And just send him like a rubber bat in a box, <laughs> <laughs> and then just send it to him and see if it's. Don't put your name on anything, and just see if see if it sparks anything. I'd love to. I'd love to someday download with him about you know uh, just his memories
2: because that's just one story. There was a lot of stuff that that crazy stuff that happened there. Um, he worked at the Cup of Cabana, which was kind of cool, uh, and he wouldn't get home until like four or five o'clock in the morning. Jeez. Uh, You know, I was working as a waiter too, and going to acting school, but I I didn't. I didn't work quite as late as him.
1: What was New York like in the '70s? I mean, I was alive in the '70s, but I just everything to me about New York just feels like Serpico, or so it's just like everything, just like ah, it's dirty. It's kind of dirty and dingy, and the streets are hard, and uh, like
2: it's sort of yeah. Yeah, it's great when you look at those movies, those great movies of the seventies, right? That, that really kind of captured, you know, New York's Scorsese stuff, and then, you know, but it's like everything from that to, to um, you know, the Bronson movies, right? Yeah. You know, that's you know, um, you know that they were really, it was really thought of as a super super dirty, dangerous place to be. um did, did you feel scared? Like, was it dangerous? Well, I'll tell you, I grew up in Philly, so honestly, coming to New York, I, I felt way safer (laughs) yeah (laughs) It just um, I don't know it was so alive and everybody was there and everyone was on the street and and it just never seemed to close down Um, and no I, I didn't I mean in comparison now yeah sure it certainly was you know I mean I got robbed at gunpoint you know really yeah but but and, and and then once broken into in an apartment, you know, a guy was you know with a screwdriver and you know stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean it definitely. But but at the time, you know, you you're younger, you don't have kids, so you're not really thinking. You your your perception of danger. You are the kid. You know what yeah, I mean? It's like yeah. not. It's it's sort of not not the same. But I loved it. I mean, I loved New York in the seventies. I mean, I loved um, the just you know it was so electric for me and and, and I, I didn't go to college so I was 17 when I got here so you know the it was it was a great it's it was my where I grew up in a lot of
1: ways you do know, you think young performer needs that kind of experience of like I'm living in a closet with insects and it's and just like I don't know does it does it build character or do you think it's important Do you think it's important in some way or I think that matter? everyone's path is different you know um
2: I think everyone's path is different, and 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 uh, I wouldn't have traded it myself, you know. But but do I think you have to have that to be able to be good? No, I mean, um, no, I really don't. I
3: but really it, don't. You can, you can you can you can you know grow up as a masketeer and be good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know? But
3: does it give you an appreciation for everything that's happened since? Totally more so than a kid that started up. Yeah, I
2: mean, oh boy, I'm, I'm, I appreciate everything that's yeah. that's happened since. There is no doubt about that, man. I'm very, very grateful, very appreciative, and also I think that um, I mean, I feel like uh, listen, I don't think it. You know, sometimes I think this can sound a little. Uh, what's the word? Um, precious or something like that. But but I feel like uh, in the course of your life as an actor you're going to be called upon to play a lot of different kinds of people and the exposure all throughout my childhood and through my years in new york that I've gotten to different kinds of people by just being in the city you know has been really formative in terms of like the the kinds of you know roles that I feel you can I can sort of embrace yes. you know I have a I have a buddy who's um playing a he's, he's in, in New York and he's he's playing a New York City cop and and he said to me the other day you know uh, he's living in Queens because um, he's from out of town and uh, did I say he was from New York no yeah he's from out of town he has to play New York City cop and he went and looked at an apartment in in um, Dumbo which at this point is a very very kind of high-end um and he went, you know, I, I can't be there. I, I I need to be surrounded at this point in my life with this park by by cop's environment. You know what I mean? Because that's what I'm being asked asked to do right now. And and I think that uh, for some people, for some actors, that that can be really valuable. And it certainly was for me. Oh, I, I mean, never I, thought about that. I I really just felt like the city just it continues to feed me, like
1: mm-hmm. all all of the time um, in terms of.
2: Uh, who 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 I'm gonna play?
1: There's yeah, I guess there's really no other city in America where you can go and get this kind of a cross section of human yeah. beings uh, of com- in such a concentrated area. Yeah,
3: I mean a lot of comics like you know like uh, that have like come to LA end up wanting to go back to New York because like you know they think of more stuff I'm like well, you know writers up. and stuff like that. I mean I think just like walking around the city, you're just constantly stimulated by it. You know, bevy
1: of things. Well, Los Angeles is a very isolating experience because you're in your car by yourself. Everything is very intentional. You have to mean to go places. You right. rarely stumble across. I mean, like doing comedy in, in New York is a better experience yeah, than right. just having to do it in LA. But uh, I think you have to also,
2: as you get as you as you get successful, um, it becomes very easy to isolate yourself even more, right? Because you know it's kind of can be whether perceived or real it can kind of become sort of a hassle to be around and you know whatever signing pictures and you know taking pictures and signing or whatever, shit like that you know so people tend to with success comes a certain level of cloistering in yeah, a way sure, I think sure, and then there also become comes this kind of um, uh, strange um, move move to Spend more time With people who are As successful as you Sure You know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> or, or You know what I mean Just kind of like you're that That's who you're The people that you're with It makes you feel You know what I mean It's like a weird thing I mean I I, I, I say this because um, You know I ha- have In the past Or at times in my life Found myself You know uh, uh, Seduced by that Those Concepts And that sort of feeling You know what I mean yeah. And I think that That can be A mistake because I think that you can really start to lose touch with the people that you are really asked to portray and I am never asked or rarely asked to portray a movie star, you know what I mean? If I am, it's great. I love it. It's hilarious. It's great. The time, the times, the times when I've been able to either play an actor or play myself or something
1: like that, I'm like, yeah, this is fucking great. This it.
2: is a walk in the park. But but that, but it's rare that that happens.
1: Can we want you to play a multimillionaire who sits atop a throne of society? Oh well, all right. I, I have this very fancy group of friends. I uh, I, I interview. I, this is. I interviewed, I used to work at MTV, and I interviewed you in, like, 1995 at the Video Music Awards. And I'm not going to make you talk about this a lot, because I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're a over it. But um, the, the, game, the, the game that bears your name, I mentioned it to you, and you're like, "Ah, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but it's awesome. You go, I just feel like people are making fun of me. And I go, no, they're celebrating this amazing... And this was in 95. Yeah. And even at that point, you had an incredible body of work. Just from the, the apartment with the bat, just up to 1995, mm-hmm. and then and then that's been 17 years, and then there that's just continued to happen since then. So I, I'm glad that from what I've read, you have embraced the idea finally, and your charity is named
2: after yeah org. We we launched uh, probably 2002, maybe 2003, something like that. I can't remember exactly, and that's been really that's been good because it's been a way to. Um, well, I mean, it's even without the six degrees idea, just something for me to kind of uh, focus, uh, you know, my... To, to focus some of the frustration that I feel with the things that I read in the paper and in the news and stuff like that. You know, I mean, kind of the overwhelming feeling that, that you get when you when you pick up the paper and there's so much shit that's going wrong and so many things that... that um, so many people that need help and so many uh, causes and whatever, just to be able to take that, you know, idea of Six Degrees and and, and channel it into something that I can feel positive about, you know. Um, I think that it was such a natural fit, too, because I, I really, you know, I'm sure you, I, maybe you maybe haven't heard me say this before, but if you take me out of the game, which really was the idea of SixDegrees.org, the concept is a beautiful concept that that we are all connected. That the things that you do in your neighborhood down the you know affect people down the street around the world. You know what I mean? It's like there's this chain there's, and we did all cl- crawl out of the same swamp. You can't, um, you know, you can't make acid rain in one town and believe that it's just going to go up there and you know just just <laughs> rain down on you right here you know what I mean it's it's going to it's going to make its way across the country I mean, you know you there's there's fallout from you know our well anyway there's a lot of stuff going on that that is that is that shows the interconnectedness of of people and of human beings and that's kind of the the idea behind 6 degrees especially if you take me out of it
1: how did you remain uh, just sort of a a normal guy who was able to like, you know, stay in a long-term relationship and, and also not be seduced by all of the fancy stuff and just, like, what is, is it? Is it just, like, because you're still a Philly guy? And, like, what? What? what is it?
2: Uh... I don't really know. I mean, I think that, um... I, I guess, you know, uh, you know, maybe it's a value system that my parents gave me and my brothers and sisters, you know, that, that says that at some point in life you have to find something other than your own success that's more important to you than that, you know? Yeah. I mean, my father was like a very, very, um, he was a very, in his world, he was a very successful guy. He wasn't a rich guy, never turned it into anything, you know, monetary, But he was a urban planner and extremely um, uh, active in Philadelphia and and really, really extremely drawn to the limelight, really, really in a deep, deep way wanted the fame and wanted to be known and wanted to be seen and really, really kind of embraced that. Um, And I think that I got a healthy part that from him, <laughs> you know, to say the least, because I think that a lot of what kind of drove me in, in, in my like the fame thing was to be more famous than my father, at least the way I, that I per- perceived my father to be in, in Philadelphia. Um, but hand in hand with that, I was often often sort of horrified at how much it meant to him, even as a even as a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that I that I could that it was it was so paramount him you know and sure. what whatever his perceived idea of success was was like uh on such a pedestal and I, and I saw that you know in his you know in his last years you know kind of you know trying to hold on to it and it affected me to the point where I went well, you know you know it's great and it's it certainly is an acknowledgement of trying to do your best sort of work when when you get famous or you're in a magazine or I get to do a, a you know a podcast or a-
1: <laughs> of course well thank you for, thank <laughs> you for the last one house. yeah exactly yeah. I mean whatever this must know. be the crowning jewel yes yes your- here I am I <laughs> uh,
0: uh,
1: Mark someday I'm going to be in a podcast what's that I don't know get that bad out of here
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know
2: <laughs> I also thought to myself I need I, I it's, at some point you have to find something that's bigger than, you, than, than your own budget and and you know, that's that's all that's that's all I know, and and that becomes, you know, family, and kids, and you know, relationships, friendship.
1: Um, the fame thing is weird because it just <laughs> the small brush that I've ever had with it. It just there's a moment where you're like, hey, this means I did something right, and then it just goes away immediately. And then there's that, how, how am I supposed to get more of this? Like it's like a weird, it's like a weird, you know, I guess. Humans are sort of addicted to attention. Maybe it's a biological thing. Like, oh, if I'm in, you know, if I'm ahead of the tribe, then I'll be good for breeding. Or, like, there must be some sort of a biological reason that well, we crave it. That
3: comes into a play where it's like you talk to people about what is success, and you know, some people. Well, like, remember when he was successful? It's like, well, the guy still works and still makes a lot of money, but, like, he's not famous. And so it's weird where people perceive fame and just being in the eye as success. Especially now. Yeah, exactly. Especially now when that's the only thing that that a lot of people want. And it's weird because it's like, you know, you could see, like, an actor that's just a guy that just works. Again, like, it's like he's successful. He's a successful actor, but nobody knows who he is. And so, well, he's not successful. So success is fame. right? Right. That's, like, that's the weird mind trip that can happen, I think, to a lot of people. Where it's like, you know, like, what are you talking about? You own a house? You've been working as, like, in your own art form? And, like I, th- like, I think that's the thing that a lot of people forget is that you need to, like, if you have, if you're just working at what you want to do as an artist, that's success. As yeah. opposed to just people knowing who you are.
2: Completely, man. I remember when I, I was doing regional theater and uh, I, I I had had this idea of success, which was. To be on the cover of like Tiger Beat,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: did that ever
1: happen? Never happened. What? I don't, think, well, I don't know. I think it sort of went. I don't know. Tiger Beat. It's time. Yeah. Is there still? A th- Is there
0: still? A, I don't,
1: I don't know. know. I doubt. There's got to be something. Or like Big Bopper. That's a put bacon on the talk, cover. Talk about dating yourself. But <laughs> um,
2: so, all of a sudden, then I started doing theater, and I'd be out in some, you know, regional theater. In Louisville or Massachusetts or wherever I was, and you know, there'd be an actor who was an incredible actor, and who went from job to job to job, and had, you know, had just done checkoff, now was doing this play, and was on his way to do you know Richard the Third, and uh, I was like, okay, so I have to completely redefine my ideas of what what success is, and. The day that you, as you said, don't have to wait tables, you know, yeah. um, and you're actually making a living being, well, if you're an independent contractor, you know, in some, some form, yeah. that's a really successful thing because that's a really hard thing to have to get to. The other thing I believe is that people don't talk about, people really tend to focus on the negative sides of fame. Um, fame. One of the cool things about fame is, like, all day long, people are nice to you <laughs> for like things that you don't even deserve.
0: <laughs> you
2: know, like they say, serve and they give you free shit and they, you know, you know, what I mean. They, 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 and a lot of times they'll like come up and say, "I love you." Like, like, people will, will, will wait their whole lives to have somebody come up and tell them that, that they yeah. love like them. You know what I mean? So, so it is incredibly addictive. And to be able to walk away from it or give it up is a very hard thing to do. And that's why I believe that you'll see people who's, who who will become less famous and they will some find any way... To get back into the yeah. fame thing, Reality even if television. it's yeah, yeah, even if it's like something where you go, really? What I mean, why the fuck are you doing that? Yeah. Or, or even like you know, to, you know, to end up, uh, I don't know, in rehab or or you know, just do some kind of wacky ass.
1: <laughs> thing. <you know? laughs> I don't have a drinking problem, but I just want to go on celebrity rehab because yeah, yeah, I yeah, need exactly. to get back on television. Well, it's because they're
3: missing the the endorphins they got from yeah. people seeing them and being happy. Oh, I'm it curious is. about
1: this. Um... Was was your when you started to get really successful, which happened seemed like it happened pretty quickly, was your dad cool with it or was he like oh no that's that's great that's great?
2: No, he was cool with it. He was very very supportive, extremely supportive. Both of my parents were. You know, I mean, I, I I'm the youngest of six kids, so you know I often say that they they didn't even notice when I left home, uh, but um, they I went to them, you know. When I was in high school and said, uh, "I'm, I, I'm going to New York. I'll see you later. I'm going to become an actor." And there was no part of them that said, "Well, you know, what about college?" Or they just were like, "Good, you, you're going to do great." And came to see everything I was in. Uh, you know, saw every piece of shit I ever did. And <laughs> would write you know long letters. Especially my father would write these long letters about my performances and just awful you know, kinds of movies and stuff. (laughs) Uh, uh, No, he was, he was, he was extremely, I mean, I think he was extremely, uh, supportive and he, and, and he, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, you know, that's a, that's a kind of fame in itself, right? If if, yeah. you, if your offspring is 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 famous, I
3: don't think he was. I don't think he was threatened by. Him. Oh, good, that's yeah. cool. So he didn't have like a. He didn't want to act or be an actor. Oh, yeah. God.
0: <laughs> oh my god.
3: No. Uh, it's not that hard. What you yeah. do up there?
0: Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: No, he was not. Well, I mean, he, he liked public speaking, and he liked to be, you know, in the limelight, and yeah. you know, and was. Uh, it, 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 towards the end of his life, was extremely, uh, sort of, you know cantankerous and controversial and would you know even in, into his 90s would find ways into the newspaper and stuff like that oh wow yeah yeah he, he um one of the one of the really great things that he did was in his 90s in Philadelphia uh there was a, a park called Love Park yeah right, which if you're a skater is kind of a legendary um skate park yeah and there's that L-O-V-E you know that's that that, that yep. famous mm-hmm. thing so they have one of those there and uh it was a just a place where you could where skate, skaters loved to grind because there were these kind of like um, some of the benches were just made out of concrete yeah. and you could jump on them and and there's a, a whole series of steps and stuff like that so it became known as Love Park and, and it was actually uh, you know a, a major like skate destination even for people from across the country who would come to Philly just to just yeah to, just you
3: know, there was like a, most of the videos I watched always had like a, like a, a portion at that park right yeah yeah <laughs> So, they banned
2: the skaters from Love Park, and my father went fucking ballistic. He believed that the use of public space should be used by anybody, especially the skaters, wow. and that and that the what little damage that they were doing to the, you know the, to, the, you know the the, the park was a, a small trade off for having it alive and and you yeah. know being used, and and he went and um, tried to get arrested I don't think they arrested him by skateboarding <laughs> <laughs> 9 year old man yeah they put, they put a helmet on him and basically lifted him onto the skateboard and dragged him like you know like <laughs> <laughs> four or five.
0: Yeah. So you that's could amazing. probably
2: you could probably see a video of it I think and it was it was just great I mean you know and he chained himself to trees that he didn't want taken down you know oh, he was, he that's, was, a, that's was, really awesome he was he was crazy
1: so what uh, how did Animal House happen was that a the I was in um, Circle in the
2: Square <clears throat> acting school which uh, I'm still there and I was in my first year it was a two year program and they sent the casting director um, over there Um he I guess uncharacteristically you know usually you 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 know actors are submitted by agents and all I guess Landis wanted to see if he could find maybe some some ki- you know kids or some ki- you know kind of college age kids that that um, you know didn't have agents so they weren't like actors you know Sure. anyway sent you know said do you have any preppy, freshmen wet behind the years? Uh, and they sent me over. Uh, and I walked in, and and John Landis was there, and he said, uh, there was very little for me to read. I mean, there was a couple of lines, you know, but I read it. One of the funny things was that he said, can you do that? Make a smarmy face. Smarmy, <laughs> make a smarmy face.
0: <laughs>
2: and, uh... I was like, I, I, I had no idea what smarmy meant, but it's kind of like a onomatopoeia. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? So I saw, so I just kind of did, you know, I don't know, I made some face, right? <laughs>
0: He's like, ah, that's great, oh that! That's fine, oh <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then...
1: Knowing Max, let's see what Yeah,
2: uh, yeah. And then he, uh, who's Max? It's son. Oh, his son. Who uh,
1: very much talks that way, like, hey! Like, yeah. he very much has yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: then, um, then they... Then I went back, I guess, um, and did it again. Smarty, you know. <laughs> and uh, then the guy called me in in my um, apartment, uh, you know, where the bat was. And <laughs> he said, you got the part uh, in Animal House. And I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? He goes, yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be seven weeks or something like that. You're going to get scale. I said, oh, my God. I didn't know what scale was. It's not that I didn't know how much it was. I didn't know what the word meant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, You know, I was like, great. I'll get a scale. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Um, And uh, he said, but, you know, we need you out here, like, by Monday or something like that. Uh, I was like, yeah, but I just... Drop my laundry at the Fuff and Fold and uh, you know I got a date and he's like no you don't understand it's not like that you gotta get on a plane so
1: so that's how it happened uh, so I never got my laundry back and never there. spoke to that girl again and never spoke to the girl. <laughs> how was it how, wh- how was this what was it like to work on the set like how was how was John to work with well
2: uh, you know yeah I mean the first experience was that I'd never flown first class before so, I was completely amazed that the alcohol was free <laughs> and that it was unlimited amounts of alcohol. So, I got completely trashed on the way out there <laughs> and tried to talk the flight attendant into. I had to stop in San Francisco for the night, tried to talk her into, you know, um, staying with me. And part of my technique was by flashing my script around.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was like a, a, it was
1: a major motion. Don't you pressure. know this is Animal House? This <laughs> is going to change the way teen comedies are done. Yeah.
2: And I remember that, you know, she was very sweet. It was like, you know, you're dreaming. And uh, But she did give me, uh, as I was leaving the plane, the remainder of a bottle of Amaretto. I had ordered Amaretto because I felt that Amaretto was... A classy sort of after dinner, (laughs) after dinner drink, you know. And to this day, I mean, I can't even look. (laughs) How (laughs) sick did you get? (laughs) Let alone smell and rather. So the next day, I I woke up (laughs) and flew from San Francisco up to Oregon. Uh, and went rushed, they rushed me onto the set into hair and makeup wardrobe, cut my hair all off. I had long hair at the time and um, the costume I remember was furious at me because they had had called to ask for my sizes and I had got them all wrong and so none of the clothes that they had for me fit and as it turned out I didn't work that day and then I didn't work for a week um, because I don't know just the schedule and you know whatever Um, so that was a big sort of learning experience because I was really like amped up and you know here I go you know what I mean and then I ended up not working sat in my hotel room. Um, It was a hotel kind of like by the side of the freeway. And, uh, you know, waited. And eventually I started to meet some of the other cast. But uh, what was kind of weird about the Animal House experience, um, as great as it was to, you know, do a movie at all and be in my first movie, was that um, I guess John probably purposely, although I don't know if I've ever really sp- spoken to him about this, kind of wanted to create a separation between the Deltas and the Omegas. And he had brought all the Animal House guys out early, and they had all had this kind of like super bonding kind of experiences where they'd gone out to in the bars, and they'd gotten into fights, and they'd, they'd, you know, been all, they were like friends like immediately because that's what he, he really wanted. and And the rest of us were... Completely uh, pushed aside. Oh wow! So that would be, you know, uh, Niedermeyer yeah. and and um, uh, and I don't know whoever else. You know, me and whoever else was was part of the you know the losing yeah. kind of side of things. <laughs> so those guys would have these amazing like parties in the hotel and stuff, <laughs> and we were not invited and as a as a young guy I was like I, I want to be part of the crowd you know I want to be I want to feel this kind of sense of camaraderie it's actually it was a kind of com- kind, kind of camaraderie that I felt um you know kind of in the theater that I had done up into that point and, and that I felt with my colleagues at, in acting school and I think that uh Acting to me, in a lot of ways, I sort of looked at it as, a, you know, kind of like a brotherhood. You know what I mean? That, oh, that, right. that yeah. you know, that that has since, in a lot of ways, just gone completely out the window. I think, um, especially in movies. You know, I mean, it's very hierarchical, and you know. Anyway, that's a whole other uh, topic. But so, you know, while it was, it was fun, and I made it, I made it fun. There were times when. You know, I felt kind of—I don't know—just kind of pushed pushed out. Yeah, yeah. You
3: know? So, you got the college experience from doing that. <laughs> you wanted to be part of the cool kids, and well, that was yeah.
2: Well, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. And in fact, I tried to kind of get the college experience while I was there because I would meet people on on the set. You know, guys would be like extras and stuff like that. Then I had two friends. Mm-hmm. One one that um, was from a basically an animal house. I went to a party and (laughs) it was as wild as the fucking movie. I mean, it was like completely insane and just rampant, you know, drug use and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about a a real frat. Yeah. 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 And then I went to another one where I had some holes in my jeans and they were like, "Ah, you really shouldn't. (laughs) So, so I really got the, I I got the, both of those experiences. Um, Did you
1: work, did did you, so you didn't really get to hang out with Belushi that much.
2: Well, you know, Belushi, and I only, the only real scene I guess maybe that we sort of have is when he spit the mashed potatoes on. Right. Me. But um, I really, I really, really liked John. He he wasn't really part of that. He was he was on a whole other trip. Part partly because I don't know if you know this, but he was doing the show, doing SNL at the same time that he was doing Animal House. So he was flying back and forth from Oregon he would shoot like two or three days in Oregon then go back and, and do SNL and then jump back on a plane and do the same thing he did that Jesus. week after week after week so that was you know really hard but he was an incredibly and I after the movie throughout those you know those next years after the movie I would run into him sometimes in New York um, you know either at you know nightclubs or, or even at, there was like a little deli down in the village sometimes we would you know see each other he was a Unbelievably sweet guy And gentle and funny and nice and, and, you know, I'm sure he had that kind of crazy side to him But he also had another really just A very nice, generous kind of side I remember he had a um He had a I guess I say He had a house or an apartment or something like that And he had one day a brunch for everybody That one I was invited to <laughs> <laughs> And, uh He had brought out um, smoked salmon from, you know, some deli in New York and bagels and, and, you know, cream cheese and lox and stuff like that. And I knew how much, um, you know, lox cost. In my world, that would be like a, a, to get lox on the bag would be like a giant, (laughs) you know, windfall. You'd have to have a windfall. And, And here was like piles of it. And I thought, Wow. That's a, that is one rich dude
0: <laughs> he was able to roll he's locks rich. Yeah
1: locks, rich yeah locks <laughs> rich but he was cool so you must have felt so then coming off Animal House and then a couple years later Diner must have been the camaraderie experience totally. that, you, that you wanted oh, yeah. to have oh yeah absolutely yeah and do you think that's part of why that movie was such a defining film of it's era because it really just felt like these are best friends and this is their that's us that's me oh he's their guy I'm that guy yeah I do I think it, I think I think
2: that was a. I mean, probably both movies, you know, were an example of of that idea really working. You know, I mean, I, I this idea that <clears throat> of forcing chemistry into something is is in some ways I find it a little insulting to the actor because it sort of um, assumes that. I can't I can't act well enough to act that somebody is my best friend or that I want to sleep with them or that they've been my father or whatever, yeah. you know. We we need to be have this idea of chemistry. I don't really believe in that word. I think it's I think it's like a chemistry is just two actors that are acting well, you know what I mean? Yeah. And pretending, you know, to do whatever it is. That being said, on Diner, very similar kind of thing where Barry brought us down and we really did hang out and most of us were You know, we were kind of at the same point in our lives in that we were unfettered to a certain extent and um, not, we'd all had, or some of us had little tastes of fame, you know, maybe, um, you know, Mickey had done some stuff and, you know, I'd been on soap and done Animal House, but, but nobody was like a real star. It wasn't like we couldn't just go out someplace and be anonymous Mm -hmm. you know and and so the time that we hung out together I think really did have a very positive sort of impact on on the movie if nothing else I mean there was a lot of improvising that the rest of the guys did that you know ended up in the film
1: oh wow (coughs) was that the movie that changed everything or was it was it Footloose
2: you know I really think of it all as baby steps even Footloose I mean Footloose certainly was a big you know kind of explosion but but I, I don't really ever attribute it just to one thing it always seems like you know you, you you go you say to yourself if I could only get you know an agent you know and then you get an agent like ah oh, that's it you know <laughs> I could all, you know so so Animal House was the first movie great I gotta do a movie I came back and I, I, I ended up waiting tables for another like three years after that, you know what I mean? So I was like I in a movie. I had to ask for the night off to go to the premiere. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know, I kept chipping away and then, then you kinda go, well if I could just, you know, get to the point where I'm where I'm not don't have to pick up shifts shifts in the restaurant. Or if I could just get to the point where uh you know diner was a great thing, but it wasn't a commercial success, you know. It was Uh, sort of, you know, critically adored and and subsequently cultish, you know, but definitely not like a big movie, like, you know, yeah, I mean, Footloose, Footloose was great and then, you know, then you're like, how the fuck do I hold on to this? And, you know, I didn't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> do you still feel that now do you still feel that oh if I could only dot 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 or now are you just do you feel comfortable with who you are uh are you ever Has
2: anyone are you ever I don't know if anyone's ever really comfortable with. well here's the thing is I look I look to the future and there's still things that I'd like to get done do I feel grateful and um you know, proud of a lot of the places where I've gone, absolutely. But but I really don't... It's only in this kind of an instance that I do any kind of looking back, you know what I mean? I'm not a... I don't clip anything. I don't keep anything. I don't archive. I just... I, I don't... I just keep going, you know what I mean? I just yeah. keep going. So, you know, in this case now... um you know i'm looking down the road to the show and hoping that the show is you know people like it and then you know i got a couple movies in the can i'm looking for the next one you know i uh
1: i when i was one of my favorite movies of all time was the big picture which i to me just so accurate i mean, I mean obviously it's satirical but just the the meat of it is so genuine for just how everything seems to work and how shitty <laughs> for, for like for dumb reasons did you work at, first of all how was Christopher Guest to work with and beyond that do you feel that that movie kind of represents do you agree oh yeah
2: yeah I mean look that first off okay I'll, we'll start with Christopher Guest Christopher Guest The Spinal Tap is my, is my favorite movie uh, and was at the time so when when they sent me that movie, Chris's idea was not to cast a known actor, and certainly not as well known as I was. He didn't want to make it with a with a with a you know a famous actor. He didn't want the budget to be there. You know he he I think when you look down the line at his films, uh, as amazing as that company is that he uses you know what I mean and as, as well known as, as they all are kind of individually and you really recognize them not, he doesn't build movies around stars you know and so when when I read that script I was like I gotta be in this fucking movie I love this movie um, he was resistant you know I, I really had to talk him into in, into you know letting me come on board um, I felt like it was so true and so funny and I'm constantly still to this day and I haven't seen it since I made it remembering things that come up all the time you know what I mean I'm when Marty goes I don't know you I don't know your work but I think you're very talented you know what I mean it's like I just that that happens all the time you know what I mean my other my other great line is uh uh Oh, you're a director, Jimmy. And our busboy's a director.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, if you go to, uh, you know, I just
1: say Hollywood. That just you're gonna get that day in a day. Out, day yeah. in a day. Out. I I to... because uh, it's just such a it's such a beautiful joke that you don't see coming when you're meeting with the apartment manager and he goes. He's talking about a movie about an actor. and He goes, "That was Red Ridden's first picture. I made that guy a star, a big star." And then he turned around and crapped in my face, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> Just adding literally to the end. <laughs> it is such I a know. gorgeous joke.
2: I, have, for those of you who haven't seen it, my God, that is it. And and, not, and I'm the I'm the straight man, so it's I'm not I'm not I'm not patting myself in the back when I say it's a funny movie because that is a funny, funny movie and yeah. so true. I mean so frighteningly true and interesting I'll tell you something interesting that happened with that movie was that the studio which was I believe Columbia Pictures at the time it was real art imitating life because life imitating art life imitating art life imitating art because what happened was the head of the studio that green lit the movie was a guy named I think his name was David Putnam, maybe. Is that who it was David? He was a um, a British guy who had gotten this. He had produced um, s- sort of, you know, kind of more artsy sort of British movies. Then and then got this jet job running this giant studio. In the course of us shooting it, he lost the gig. Emerson replaced by Dawn Steele, which is exactly what happens in the big picture. <laughs> <laughs> and she hated the movie. She literally said to me, I don't know why you did this movie.
1: Ugh!
2: Um, it's, it, what is, what what's is, what, what's good about this? Why why did you do this? Well, first of all, I'm a human being <laughs> and that's rude! <laughs> and so, uh, she dumped it. You know, they barely, barely released it. Um, didn't buy any ads in certain places, just put it on a screen and, and um, you know, didn't, didn't find a way to you know, whatever you do with a movie like that, you know, market it, you know. Um, so it was a real, you know, a real case of uh, reflection.
1: I still, now it's just all these lines are coming with Dan, Dan, <laughs> Dan <laughs> Schneider's uh, special <laughs> condolences go out to Jimmy Delvecchio, special effects of that extraordinaire, regrettably killed on the set of Cross <laughs> of Truth. Like, the student film, like, the pretentious student film awards. It's like, it's like every one of those guys... Like oh I know that guy oh I know that guy too it just it's such a gorgeous movie
2: yeah it's it's a goodie. I I really uh I'd like to go back and 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 watch it one of these days do you ever watch can you watch your stuff or do you not I don't really watch watch my stuff um I'm not quite sure why well, you've
1: missed some I, really great movies I, no no I watch
2: them I watch them when they I, I watch them when they first come out okay sure. gotcha yeah um I like to usually do I usually like to watch them twice the first time I watch something. I need to be um well obviously I couldn't do this when I was you know starting out but now I need to be sort of like safe and alone and maybe mm-hmm. just with Kira and just you know just you know just wa- watch it and then I like to see it with a with a with an audience just to kind of you know see what that experience is like yeah, yeah. um so I haven't I haven't but I don't aside from that I don't really go back um the, once in a while you get a um one of those things where they put together like a clip reel or something you know and you get to see certain scenes and stuff like that and that's always kind of fun because then you don't have to sit through the whole thing
1: what's uh what can you even name like a favorite movie that you've that you've worked on uh
2: I don't have really favorite movies but I would say that um in terms of performances that I seem to remember liking Murder in the First was one Mm -hmm. Um, even though I wasn't really in it that much JFK The Woodsman The Woodsman's great um, Thanks. Taking Chance you know was was the HBO thing I did recently Um, you know one of my favorite things that I ever did was a um, probably the thing that is the least seen um, which was was a great playwright named um, uh, Lambert Wilson who um, died recently? And he wrote um, a play called uh, *Lemon Sky*, and it was being done off Broadway uh, with um, uh, Jeff Daniels and one one of the parts was played by Cynthia Nixon. And they decided to do a PBS uh, American Playhouse it was like a, a I don't know if American Place is still on, but they would sometimes film theater, you know. And Jeff didn't want to do it, and Cynthia Nixon didn't want to do it. So I took the part that Jeff had, had done, and Kira took the part that Cynthia was doing. Oh, that's awesome. So, so we sort of, like, have them to thank for, you know, being married. And we didn't really play opposite each other. I think we were, like, stepsisters. Oh, that's where you guys met. Yeah, that's where we met, yeah. Oh, wow. And, um, but that's a uh, another story. But, but just in terms of, like, um, a difficult and complex kind of... Uh, Performance. I, I think that was a that was a good one.
1: How have you managed? Because looking around your trailer, there's just pictures of your family and pictures of your wife and pictures of your dog. I'm like it's yeah, a a really. Lot of dogs. It's yeah. a nice. It's just <clears throat> like a nice, warm. I don't know. It's. I mean, like literally, collages everywhere. How, how do you? I think a lot of people love to know how do you keep a relationship fresh. How do you uh, you know like? I don't know. Especially doing what you guys do, <laughs> like it, it's. Yeah, it's
2: really. I, I I wish I knew the answer to that question. It just I works. Mean, yeah it just works I mean I think you know if you're lucky you find somebody that you're you know that you have a good time with you know and uh, and then you know then you just have to also try to you know try to prioritize as we were talking about before you know to try to try to try to make something more important than your own legend you know and uh like that
1: that's kind of a that's an interestingly selfless point of view for an, for a performer where I feel like most of the time you know performers oh yes yeah
2: hey buddy what
1: uh, I'm doing an interview fuck, fuck the, interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the interview this is Marco this is our uh, hey how's it going amazing Chris hi hey, Chris nice, nice to meet you. you director nice to meet you um, hi, hi
2: producer
4: of the following
1: uh, which this, i yes. this,
4: this is this uh awesome podcast dude i know it dude. what chris hardwick come it. on stop <laughs> it are you kidding stop it can he join in uh, yeah absolutely. sit down I was a PA at MTV. When Are you we were, serious? We were doing Singled Out.
1: So. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> you were at MTV? You worked at MTV? I
4: did. I worked on... Uh, I was a PA on, like, remote control. Oh, my uh, gosh. When I, when my, I had a cubicle at 1515 where TRL ended up being. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Co-directed the pilot, which was great. It, it's Thank such you. an amazing
1: concept for... Uh, I, don't, I mean, I want to talk about it, but I don't want to spoil too much, but just the sort of... The puppeteering that happens is... I I didn't... You totally don't see that coming. You're watching. You go, oh, I think I get what this is. And then it takes
4: a turn. You're like, what? Fuck. And and it happens in the the last five minutes. Yeah, well, wait. I just came... I just literally landed from LA. I was editing. And um, so I did a marathon. Because I I made, made some changes in the pilot to bring it down to time. And then I watched two and three and four. And I found myself going, holy fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he directed two and um, is,
2: you know, kind of oversees everything and is going to do at least another couple more this season. I'm oh, that's awesome.
1: Right
4: now. That we're yeah, he's gonna... directing one right now. Well,
1: congratulations for uh, for digging yourself out
4: of the MTV yeah. trenches. <laughs> 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 Not everyone gets out. Well, yeah, it was good. I fucking loved it. I mm-hmm. really loved being over
1: there. That's good. Well, you guys, but the, the PAs at MTV, I felt like had the worst deal because... MTV. There was, you know, there were a bunch of people in charge, and then everyone else had to do everything. Yeah, and it was like if you were mildly good at your job, that was a bad thing to show them because then they would just. It was like they're like a lamprey. They would just yeah. attach.
4: I got really lucky. I, I I PA. I was a PA there, but I ended up. I met I met this girl there who was also a PA, and uh, she's like, I quit. I'm gonna go be a nanny, and she went to become Nora Ephron's nanny. Oh wow! So, and I. Through dating her, would go over to Nora's house, and then I became, I just we became friends, and she became my mentor.
1: So then you could break up with the
4: girl and just move then on to it, the. And we broke. We ended up breaking up, and I ended up basically living with Nora Ephron, and Nick Pellegrino, and that was my film school. Whoa, that's awesome. So, that is. Yeah, it was fucking great. So wow! No complaints.
1: That was like a like a sexually transmitted mentorship, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I recommend that if anyone is, can uh, make that happen. Awesome. Yeah. Out of all the STDs, <laughs> <laughs> you sort of fucked your way to the top, which is a
4: very hard thing for a guy to do. Yeah, that's true, but I did it. <laughs> that's now awesome. fucking Kevin Bacon. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> what a huge reveal D- for this
4: daily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I didn't mean to No, no, no. That's mean, awesome. Thought, it's good. To, it's good to see you. I was like, "Where is he?" He's like, he, "I think he's done." I was like, "All right,
1: I'll check." Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up in a second. We I was just about to. Act, I'm glad it's good you came in because I actually want to talk about the show a little. The, the point when you came in, I was talking about how, you know, I was talking to Kevin about you know just his relationship and you know like just building something that's bigger than yourself. And I was saying, well, that's an that's an amazingly selfless point of view for an actor because a performer is. I feel like there's a degree of like, we have to be really selfish because we always have to be focused on our own thing and trying to, you know, get ahead. So I think finding that balance is, is not something most people can do. My dad, my dad always was like, yeah, a relationship, it's always, it's hard to have a relationship and a career. You kind of get one or the other. Yeah. Uh, But I, but I always hoped that that wasn't true.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it works for some people and some people don't. I don't really have the, I don't have the answers, you know, I mean, to that. I think that, you know, w- one of the things that, which we sort of touched on before, that, you know, it's hard as a, a film or television actor to um, to not get completely self-involved, you know. I mean, you're self-involved anyway if you become an actor. Yeah. You're the person that walks into the room and, you know, wants everybody to look at you. You know I mean? I felt like that from the time I was, you know... Two, three. I remember going. I hope everyone's going to look at it. You know? <laughs> that, that's that's just the way. That's like the, that's part of the personality. But I think that when you do a scene, um, you you try to make a connection with another actor. And a lot of times, in the course of doing the scene, as you get more and more coverage, just from a physical standpoint, there's more and more garbage in between you and the and the, and the and the actor that you're trying to connect to. Sure. And eventually, people will say. Uh, don't even look at them. Look at this little mark here on the on the side of the mat box, and you you start to or the cinematographer. You know it really looks a little better when you just tilt your head just like that, and you start to get very very hyper hyper self involved. And the thing you always have to remember, I find, um, which kind of goes back to theater, is that you have to play the play. You know what I mean? You have to. You have to deliver your piece of what the overall story is going to be and not get too wrapped up with just looking at, looking after number one, which means that you have to engage the other people who are in the scene with you and the other cast members and, and make sure that all, and you've seen from the pilot that, you know, that's, that's the meat of, of the show is all these other crazy kind of stories that are going on surrounding yeah. th- this guy. And, and that's a tough thing to try to, uh, to accomplish and to remember. Especially since television and film, you know, we talked about that brotherhood thing that I was you know, sort of pining for. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like, it's incredibly hierarchical. You know what I mean? It's like they refer to you as number one or <laughs> a number two or number twenty-five yeah. or whatever,
3: whatever. Whatever lists up the call sheet.
2: Yeah. yeah. I've seen people out with fucking tape measures, you know, measuring each other's trailers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, 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 it's like
2: that, that. It's so, so to, at, to actually get back to the idea that we have, uh, you know, an overall uh, piece of work that we have to, you know, deliver is, is, is a tough thing to try to remember and it, it includes everything from the bigger picture to just really really connecting with the actors and listening to the people that you're acting
4: with particularly in this show where I you know the actors have to be we're a television show everyone wants everyone to look pretty and look good and I'm constantly pushing for everyone to look be Ryan Hardy's been awake for you know five days in a row so we don't clean them up so much, so you have to be a little. Um, w- you have to be willing to go there as an actor. Sure. And even the last thing we did on Friday, where you know I have to, I'm asking you to go to a car and break down emotionally, and there's nobody there to do it with except, you know, my crew. In the car. And a car, and the crew's tired, and everyone's like, you know, let's just get this night over with, and and I need Kevin to go and break down and have an emotional moment and there's a million people staring at you from this far away mm. and the fact that he can pull that off and stay focused is, is amazing we you know every day <laughs>
1: this is good like teamsters standing there chewing gum like hey, yeah you know, shit. not you're like
4: come yeah. on yeah. I mean, cry 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> or more people just literally like doing this you know on their blackberries <laughs> yeah. or phone yeah. iphones like texting and you know, I'm constantly going just guys he's trying to work
0: yeah
4: <laughs> back off you know yeah but yeah, it's hard, man. I, don't, I, I have a tremendous respect for what these guys do every day, and it's why you call them number one, number two. Because there's a lot riding on those moments. Yeah. You know? And if those moments don't work, the show doesn't work.
1: Well, I hope people watch the show. I know it's mid season, um, which is which is good because I, I think networks tend to give mid season shows a little bit more of a chance uh, than what happens now, which is like in the fall. Two episodes gone. You know, like they don't give it a fucking. They don't give anything a chance. Um, so if people get to watch the show, I just want them, I want to make sure that they watch all the way through. Because it starts out, and I think you go, oh, this is sort of a, like an SVU kind of, a, and it's not at all. So I just, I want, I really want people to, to, give, to give the show a shot. Yeah, I
4: don't know if you've touched on it, but we have luxury also, we're not being preempted. And yeah. uh, Any show that premiered on Fox in the fall, starting this week, they're shutting down for four weeks because of uh, baseball. Oh, right. So you're not going to get a chance to see the consecutive episodes. We're going to run 15 episodes every Monday night. You know, it's appointment television. So it's like a cable show.
1: This is a weird time where you're to have any kind of television show. Say you get baseball, you got the the election, the election like everything. Yeah, like there's yeah, really yeah. nothing. They might as well have not had a fall season it this was year. Big, yeah. It
4: was a bucket. Okay, we we'll 2013 for us when they when they were like, we'll put you on in January. We're like thank God. Yeah. You know, because everything will be done with. We'll get the benefit of advertising on baseball and football and then when we hit we hit and then you're just gonna watch every monday that's great cool
2: it goes crazy places man wait till you, hold on to your hat i mean <laughs> i'm gonna go out
1: and, and get a hat yeah can i borrow your hat mandy mm-hmm. okay thanks <laughs> i like your hat it's very uh it's very Annie hall. it is very Andy hall Thank nice nice. Um, I assume you need to steal Kevin back because... Sorry, I do. No, no, please. <laughs> you, you gave us an hour, and um, it was really cool, man. Thanks for having us in your trailer. It was yeah, good talking sure. to you. Fun talking to you, and, too. Uh, and, and good luck with the following, and uh, it was so nice to meet yeah, Chris, you, too. That's such a... Oh, I just feel like we're... You talk about the brotherhood of like, God, oh, we, we fucking made it through MTV. It just feels like feels like we served together or something like oh we
4: fucking got out of it yeah
1: we didn't get ground into nubs no i think
4: it's a, it a great learning ground yeah it's a good place to
1: start cool well good to see you guys and uh enjoy your burrito everyone
0: now leaving nerdist.com enjoy your burrito
1: This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST.
0: Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth.